You want a super soft running shirt? Check out the letsrun.com store. We've now got blue letsrun.com shirts, red, white, and blue, actually, to go along with the iconic yellow shop.letsrun.com. And if you want a free Let's Run shirt, join the Supporters Club for a year. Get a second podcast every week, 20% off on running shoes, and yes, a free Let's Run.com shirt. Go to letsrun.com slash subscribe to join today. Here's the pod. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. Outdoor track, it's officially begun. Raleigh Relays, Texas Relays are in the book. We're going to have more meets before you know it. We'll talk about those. Hell No Beery out in Istanbul has run one of the 10 fastest half marathons ever to win the Istanbul Half Marathon. Three weeks to go until the Boston Marathon and CJ Albertson has prepared for it by running a 210 marathon out in California, except it doesn't count, so we'll get into that. And also in California, the Newbury Park boys have run fast again. Plus, we'll look through some hot takes ahead of the 2022 outdoor season and weigh in if we think they're reasonable, too hot, too cold, just right. All that coming up. This is Jonathan Galt. I'm joined by my co-hosts and the co-founders of Let's Run.com, Robert and Weldon Johnson. Gentlemen, good morning to both of you. How are you doing today? Doing well. I'd like to apologize to Electro Nation for being distracted this week. To not produce the week it was. Too busy watching African World Cup qualifying matches. John, I think we need an official introduction. From now on, when you do it, if you do it now, try host, and I want to introduce the co-founders of Let's Run. You're not a co-host. There's three of us. We want to be factually accurate. And you also... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can, you can't have... Like, co is only two? It can't be three? Can we get a ruling on this? We need a grammarian. This is supposed to be my role. My understanding is you could have you could have three people be co-something. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a tri-host. That's what I was thinking. And you also need to welcome people to the OG, the original, Let's Run.com. Before Facebook, before Twitter, there was the Let's Run.com message board. I was thinking about that this week when that... Chris Rock slap or Will Smith slap went viral. I was like, back in the day, man, before Twitter, you, you had to go, you would only see this, like somebody would probably film it on their phone and put it up on the Let's Run message board back in the day. Amazing stuff. Wait, 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 what are you talking about? Back in the day, the Oscar, everyone watched the Oscars. Like it was one of the most watched television programs of the entire year. People would write about it. People would wa- many people would watch it live. It's just in America these days, no one watches the Oscars. So you got to learn about it on Twitter and Facebook. But come on, the idea that we would have only let's run.com, that's the only thing that where people would have found out about the Chris Rock slap. That's one of your harder takes you've uh, unleashed on this podcast, Robert. Well, I'm just saying, after the Boston Marathon bombing, somehow people were crediting our message board for dissecting some picture and figuring out who these guys were. I'm like, no, somebody else found it, but like Reddit wasn't as big and stuff didn't go as viral as well. People didn't know where to find it. Anyways, if you're new to the show, this is the best Rocky Field podcast out there each week. We take a look back. We take a look forward. If you want to reach us, pick up the phone, 
Unlike Facebook, unlike Twitter, you can call us 844-LET'S-RUN. That also serves as a text line, 844-538-7786. It's about time you guys are going to let the only person who's done something in this sport speak on this podcast. For the record, co means joint, mutual, common. John, you were correct. You can have three co-hosts. I'm the other co-founder of Let's Run.com, one of the three co-hosts of the podcast. I'm not going to refer to myself in the third person right now, so I won't. But I'm glad we got the Chris Rock talk out of the way here early. I mean, probably I almost had an emergency podcast Sunday night. Couldn't do it. But this is related to running, John, because Kevin Hart now, who hosted the Nike Sub 2 event as a commentator, maybe now he can get back in as a Oscars host because Chris Rock will be afraid to host anymore. But Chris Rock wasn't hosting this year's Oscars. Oh, what was he doing? He just came up and kind of did a monologue towards the end of the show, which I enjoyed until the Jada Pinkett Smith joke sent everything into... Well, actually, I look, in terms of broadcast, it was way more entertaining that Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. I mean, that was one of the most amazing moments I've ever seen on live television. So f- from an bro- entertainment s- perspective, it's interesting that it happened. I do feel bad. Well, I don't even know. I, yeah, I don't need to. No one cares what I think about the Will Smith, Chris Rock slap that happened four days ago. And also, I just want to stand up for Robert. Weldon said he's the only person in this, on this podcast who's done anything in the sport. Robert played a key role in coaching Cornell outdoor track and field team to eight straight HEPs titles. Now, he was only a distance coach. It was a whole team thing, but... They put up some points. He never won Hep's Cross as a coach, but that's tough to do. But I, to, to act that Robert hasn't done anything in the sport, also paced Catherine Deriba to a world record in Chicago. I mean, come on, give your brother some credit here, Weldon. John, I felt like a dick when I said that, but just a little stuff for the show. You know, sometimes you just got to try to take on a persona you're not. It's more of a Rojo comment to say what I said. Yeah, no, totally. That's something I'd be like, it's out of character for you. Uh, but all right. So we got a few, I mean, look, let's admit it. We're kind of in a dead period in the running world, right? We're in big twixt in between. Indoor season has just wrapped up. Spring marathon season hasn't hit yet. We do have some stuff to discuss, but, you know, Robert, you're, am I wrong here, Robert? You're acting like I'm talking, taking crazy pills here, but come on, let's be real. I get what you're saying, John. It's a little bit of a downtime till the big pro meets get going again. End of world indoor, into the indoor season, probably before the outdoor season heats up. But pretty soon, we're going to have some big sprint names running that we haven't seen indoors, like Shakari or Shakari or however you say it. Shakari. We can talk about how she was supposed to run at the Texas Relays, but didn't, and how USATF apparently has given up on promoting track and field in this country and is now going to be promoting it in Bermuda. Have you guys seen this? The What's it called? The 2022 USATF Bermuda game. So the first event of the 2022 season is not going to be in America. It's going to be in Bermuda. It's next weekend. And I think actually Shakari will be debuting there. So not sure what's going on. I think they got some money from the 
Bermuda Tourism Board. I guess if Max Siegel signed a deal that's with somebody not named by the name of Nike, that's a good thing, but it seems kind of weird that we're promoting track in another country. It is interesting. Shakari Richardson, a thing Mo, Noah Lyles, Grant Holloway. Yeah, they must be getting paid because otherwise I don't know really what I mean Bermuda, I guess it's kind of cool. I've never visited there, but it seems like a random thing to have a meet there in on April 9th. So I imagine they're putting some money behind it. If athletes are getting paid, I'm not, you know, I'm not against that. I'll give this thing a chance, but it is kind of curious that you wouldn't be hosting it somewhere in the United States. USATF Bermuda. I must say it sounds a bit weird, but it's on national TV. And it's less than two weeks away. So this thing must have been in the works for a while. I just applaud them for getting a meet. This is regular NBC, so about as much coverage as the sport can get. Same thing with the meet in June, June at New, in New York, NBC as well. So I'm not going to be a glass half empty. And plus, guys, where would you rather go in April? Bermuda sounds pretty nice to me. Although it might be a little cold up there, no? It's mi- I, I was always curious about that because Bermuda, it's like in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, right? Or it's kind of like a few hundred miles off the coast of maybe North Carolina or something. So I was kind of worried about that, whether it would be windy or if it would be cold. But I'm looking at the forecast right now. This isn't dark sky. I apologize, Robert. It's just my free Apple weather app. But it's got a high of between 65 and 73 for the next 10 days. So it seems like it's pretty nice weather for hosting a meet in a couple weeks time. Maybe we have to build it first, get the meets on TV, and then we can actually find someone in the United States who wants to sponsor one. And John Bermuda, is is that, is it technically, do you have to be technically part of a content continent? I know in Europe, a lot of meets fly in media and pay for the ways. And it's, it's, it's perfectly acceptable practice in the U S more frowned upon. I, I think Bermuda obviously should follow the European model and fly in the number one distance running website in the world. Well, you know who owns Bermuda, right? Who it belongs to? It's British. Or it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, no, it still is. So f- they would follow the European model, right? Right, well? I can only hope. So I take back my criticisms of Max Siegel. I guess it makes sense, actually, because think about it, who's going to pay. It's basically an informer. They're, they're probably paying NBC to sponsor the meet to promote it as a tourism destination. Dark Sky, my phone says it will be 68 when the gun goes off at 2 p.m. in Bermuda. I need to stop bringing some accountability to Dark Sky. Robert just throws out these numbers if he knows exactly how what the weather's going to be like at a specific time two weeks from now. Uh, no one could be that accurate. I refuse to believe anyone knows that information this far in advance. So maybe I need to actually start doing some data and comparing my forecast and your forecast and that stuff. I just seems a little silly to me. Since we're talking sprints, we don't normally start with four by four talk, but did you guys see this? John's obsessed with, and me too, last summer at the Olympics, the U.S. 4x4 team was an all, all-time all-star squad. Go through the names, John, and the high-profile high women that were on our gold medal team. Yeah, so you got – well, actually, I'm curious if you can name all of them, Robert, but uh, I will go through them. No, thank you, John. Mo. Thank you. No, John, thank you. Go through the, He does this when he, just, when he gets lazy. <laughs> 
yeah, Robert talking it up is one of the greatest things he's ever seen. And then tell me why this was so great. Remind me of who was on this team. So wait, I do know the names, but can you? How many can you name, Robert? A thing, Mo. I just gave you one. I think I can name them all, but it just it, it's it's mental energy that I don't need in this this name of Google. When I have a living Google right there, I, I ask you. When I was coaching at Cornell and I had a walking computer, I asked John Kellogg, "What workout should this kid do?" And he would tell me, "Like, why do I need to come up with it when I have, you know, it's like, do, do you do you everyone in your phone contacts list? Do you memorize their names, or do you actually use the contact list in your phone and pull it out? Like you pull it out and use your phone. So, okay, I'll think, Mo." The gold medalist. You had Allison Felix. She's a gold medalist. You had Delilah Muhammad. She's a gold medalist, and you had Sydney McLaughlin. She also was a gold medalist. There we go. I don't know if Robert used the time during his monologue right there to do some thinking, and he was multitasking, or if he just riled them off. But that is correct. All four individual gold medalists, and yeah, I really agreed. I agree. It was great spectacle, but that brings up why you're bringing it. This talking about it regarding the Texas relays. I believe it's because. Two of these women, a thing Mo and I think Dalila Muhammad was the other one, Robert, teamed up again to run the 4x4 at Texas Relays. Yeah, they had a 4x4 Invitational. USA Red was – all four were pretty all-stars, not quite as good. The first two legs were Shamir Little, who is, what, certainly one of the 10 fastest four hurdles ever? Am I making that up? That sounds right. Raven Rogers, world bronze, world silver, silver medalist and Olympic – Bronze medalist? Yes, very good. Muhammad and Mu. So I just thought that was cool. High high power. I have the splits here. Unfortunately, we don't have the splits for the first two legs. So I know that Little and Rogers ran 142.70 between the two of them. So that's not that fast. That's like, you know, 51.35 average per person. And then Muhammad split 51.65, which isn't great either. But then Othing Mo, 50.26. So she seems to be doing pretty well. But a little disappointing to me, they also had a stacked women's 4x400, college women's 4x4. So the pros, that all-star team, you, if you add those times up, it was 324.60. The, the college section, two teams, Texas and Texas A&M, went 322.94, 323.30. Like – I get it. These meets don't want to have pros versus college, but I feel like they should. We're hearing the same thing with Penn Relays. Newberry Park can't run in the college four by mile, but they can run in the pro four by mile. Uh, I just feel like as a one-off event to have that type of shower power would have been cool to put them in there, but then it would have watered down the rest of the invitational four by four, which had a few other kind of B and C team pros in it. Yeah. I w it's interesting, Robert, because I saw a thing most split and I saw it was 50, 26. I'm like, that's pretty good. Good sign. She's, you know, starting to get back in the top shape again. But then I looked at the college results and Cherokee Young, her former teammate at Texas A&M, split 48-98 by a college kid on the third leg. And, the, and they didn't even win. They got beaten by Texas. So I was like, oh, maybe am I overrating what the thing Mo did? And then I'm like, no, 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 no. It's March. Calm down. She'll be fine. But I think you also got to give credit Cherokee Young. For, is she splitting 48-98 in March? I mean, holy crap, that's quick. So am I dumb for thinking that a thing Mo coming in the year, if you asked me, I would have thought, oh, maybe there's a chance if she focused on the 400, she could win the world title. I think now that's crazy. Well, she's just, I mean, 
Sean A. Miller Rebo ran what forty eight three last year. I just don't think that a thing Mo can do that. Like Sean A. Miller Weibo is a better four hundred runner than a thing Mo. Fine, exclude Shawnee Miller Weibo. You think she gets second? That's uh, that's just stupid to think. The more I think about it, she's more of an eight hundred meter runner, right? Well, she talked about doing the doubles. So I don't think it's totally crazy. I would, if you said, do I think she's eventually going to medal in both? I would have said yes, but now that you think about it, I mean, she was the NCAA runner-up in the indoor 400. Well, and what'd she do afterwards, John? Did she? She won it, right? She won it. She didn't just win it. She broke the collegiate record twice. Like, yeah. could she win the 400 at Worlds or the Olympics one day? Absolutely. But she's also overlapping with the double Olympic champion, one of the best talents we've ever seen in the event, who is just coming off a year where she ran 48-36 in the Olympic final. So... Can she do it right now? That might might be a problem, but I think Mo's only 19. So I think, you know, by Paris 2024, LA 2028, could she win the 400? I think she absolutely could. I need to take back about what I said about all being well from a thing. I'm looking more at these Texas Relay splits. There was three collegians that broke 50. On the anchor, Texas's Devisha Patterson ran 49.88. Arkansas's Britton Wilson ran 49.99. So... Miss Young was unpressed though. So that's why I need, I mean, I think Mo, I need her racing and this against these top people so I can really see what she's doing. Here's a hot take. I, I it just it seems to me that I think's a little bit behind where she was last year. I mean, obviously it's hard to say, but we agree with this. It's possible. There's no way to know one way or the other, but it's possible we've already seen peak I think Mo. I mean, it is possible because her 2021 season was one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen by an American middle distance athlete. But I would also say this. She's a pro now. When you're on a pro, you're on a different timeline than these collegians. When you're in college, you are peaking to run at the NCAA indoors in March, and then you're peaking again for NCAA outdoors in June. That's what your college coach's focus is on. And then you just try to sustain it if you're fortunate enough to make a world, you know, make it to the trials make it to the Olympics or world championships. I think Mo right now, she doesn't care what kind of shape she's in, in March or April. It's all about making the team at USA's and then winning the title at the world championships in Eugene. That's what the whole game plan is on. So maybe she is on a different timeline than last year where she had a big incentive to be fit in March because she was running the NCAAs. So I'm not going to be freaking out about this, but I'm also, yeah, I'm not going to, Robert, I'm not going to overreact react by a, a relay split in March and her dropping out of Milrose back in January and say, oh, is this the best we've ever seen of your thing, Mo? Obviously, it's possible, but I'm not, I still think her best days are in front of her. Oh, I'm not saying that, that her best days are behind her either. I'm just raising it. It's interesting to think about it. I like to challenge my brain and think about it. I'm assuming her best days are over. I mean, are ahead of her, but I'm just saying it's possible. You know, I think when things happen, it's always think it's always easy. Oh, we knew this, we knew that. We don't really know anything right now. We just think we do. Wow, a rare admission of some sort of humility from Robert saying he doesn't. I thought you knew everything. That was my understanding from three years of doing this podcast from with you. Is Rojo knows all? He will enlighten the ignorant masses with his brilliant wisdom. But you're saying that might not be the case anymore. No comment, John. Before we turn off all of our viewers with exclusive sprint talk, let me end the sprint talk by saying, you want to see the 4x4 of the men in Texas Relays? 
Florida, it was, I saw a clip on this on Twitter. They held on for the win in 30220. That's pretty damn fast. Their anchor was only 4696. It's pretty hard to run 30220 when your anchor almost coughs up a huge lead. I mean, the other anchors were 4417, 4470. But Joseph Fambula, the Olympian, I mean, he's pretty much a 200 specialist. He has no 400 time listed, but he looked kind of out of shape. But he got caught and then kind of kicked it in like a distance runner and was able to get the win. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I looked at these splits, Robert. There are there were eight teams in this race, and he had the seventh fastest anchor leg, forty six ninety six. Only Arkansas, which finished last, split forty seven oh nine, was slower. Very rarely do you see a team in a college four by four with the seventh fastest anchor split win the race, but that is what happened here. So pretty wild stuff. Okay, we'll talk a little bit more track later, but we've got a big topic. It's been a big topic on the Let's Run message boards, big topic on Strava. I thought this was really interesting. CJ Albertson. Now, I'm sure if you were listening to this podcast, you remember him from last year's Boston Marathon. He led the first 20 miles, wound up finishing 10th in 211. He's pretty famous for some of his other feats of endurance. He set the 50,000 world best on the 50,000 meter world best on the track a few years ago. He has also run a 209 marathon on his treadmill. And now he's in the news again because at the Modesto marathon on Sunday morning, well, I guess I'll read his, tw- his Strava post here because that gives you a bit, of, a bit better context as to what happens. He said, lead bike took me on a 400 meter plus detour to make sure I didn't PR in practice and get, get trashed on the message boards. Thanks for looking out. They're still going to shred me though. 22 days till Boston. Unofficial 26.2 split, 210.28. So I, what I like about CJ is he's very, like I talked to him at the Boston Marathon last year after the race and he joked the reason he led the first 20 miles was to give us a message board posters something to talk about he knows it gets a lot of attention so he takes all this stuff with good stride we he doesn't take the typical approach to running but he does get some pretty impressive results and this most recent race i thought was really it's interesting because this course it was like two miles into the race not even two miles the lead bike you're supposed to take a left-hand turn and then take another left-hand turn and continue with the race. And the lead bike, instead of taking that first left-hand turn, it goes up one extra block, and then they turn left and they turn left. So CJ did not run... He didn't cover this one section of the Modesto Marathon, but he essentially ran the same stretch one block later, plus the extra distance that he had to run to run that section. So he did not, he ran more than the full distance of the race. He crossed the finish line first yet after the race, he was DQ'd. He said he never received an explanation was never told he was DQ'd. He also said they stopped posting his splits on the timing mats and people were saying, well, yeah, he must've run. Of course he wasn't hitting the timing mats. He says, no, he actually did hit the timing mats. He's got video evidence. They just stopped recording his splits on the race website. For some reason. So if this was a huge race, it would probably be a much bigger controversy. But it's the Modesto Marathon and the winner of the actual official winner of the race posted on the message board thread after the fact. And he said the winning prize was a nondescript plastic water bottle 
no prize money or no and no trophy. So CJ doesn't seem to think it's that big a deal. But I guess first of all, I'm interested in your takes. This seems like should he be DQ'd in this situation? And second of all, what do you think of him splitting two ten twenty eight for the marathon three weeks ahead of Boston? Of Boston? Two ten twenty eight is what he had on his watch, or that's what he actually crossed. No, that's what he had on his watch for covering the first twenty six point two miles. I think they don't have an official time because he's listed as DQ'd, but his Strava entry says two twelve for twenty six point five eight miles. So I'm assuming what the what showed up on his on the clock as he crossed the line was probably something in the two twelve range, which was still well ahead of sec- of the official winner in two forty one. So he's supposed to go up and go left and then left again. And he went an extra block and went left. So he ran too far. Yes. I don't think that's a DQ. If you go to the next block over, you're allowed to run extra distance. Uh, uh, you yeah. Know, I mean, it, 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 do I get DQ'd if, I, if I'm put in lane one, but I run in lane eight? No. This is basically what it is, right? I think so. And I actually, CJ, you know, he messaged me on. I was messaging him on Instagram to f- get to the bottom of this. And I was saying, well, yeah, te- I mean, technically you didn't run the mar- the the marked course, but then he said, you know, he crossed the finish line. He did everything else. And he was wondering, he's like, he wanted to know what the official rule was. So he looked it up and he said, USATF rule 243.4 says any competitor who has been found by the referee or judge to have gained an unfair advantage by intentionally shortening the route, shortening the route of the race cutting the course shall be immediately disqualified from competition. But that's not what he did. He he said, you know, it's essentially it's not like a cross country course where you've got to stay between these two lines. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know exactly how the rule works, but in this situation, it doesn't really see it's, you know, I feel like it shouldn't have been a DQ. He ran extra distance he basically ran the same street. It was just, it's not like the other street he ran was like some huge downhill or something that gave him a big advantage. It was very early in the race and he still won by a ton. First props to CJ and the runner up John for acknowledging the message boards, but should he be DQ'd? I don't really think so. I can see why they did it, but imagine this is like the New York city marathon or something. And, I don't know, you're, there's some part of New York City and you you turn left on 68th Street instead of 67th Street and it's because the race screwed up and you beat everybody, you should be the winner of the race. So the plastic water bottle should be CJ's. I mean, that's all I know. The other controversy I want to have is I'm shocked this race is not in Race Results Weekly. A rare mistake by David Monte. I just searched for... The, the runner-up must have a name. I want this guy to get his name. I mean, the winner who should be the runner-up. First of all, he needs to give up the water bottle. We need, a, we need a lawyer to take this case pro bono. And a lawsuit needs to be filed. This is an outrageous case, the more I think about it. But I also would like to talk about, is this a good idea? This guy had better break 210 in Boston. Or I'm going to be disappointed. Like, Wait, wait. I, I have breaking news here, Robert. Can we put on the breaking news soundtrack this is actual breaking news and not like you know the bullshit that you use it for i'm on the race website i was looking up the official winner's name it's david yacht except on the website he's not listed as the official winner anymore 
It now lists CJ Albertson, first place, 212.08. So seems like the organizers have changed their mind. Maybe the water bottle. I hope it's in the mail. 212.08, the official time. CJ Albertson first. David Yacht of Walnut Creek second, 241.28. Wow. The world has not lost it. I thought I was afraid the world was going completely insane. There's hope for the rest of the world. And I just want to shout out David Yacht, second place. He's 41 years old. Third place in this race, James Scanlani, 52. The top seven finishes, except for outside of CJ, the top seven finishers were all 37 years old or older, and all of them broke three hours. So I'm impressed. 241 at 41, 247 at 52. That's pretty that's pretty good. Guess I'll be running the Modesto Marathon at some point soon. Okay, CJ. Some people think it's crazy that he does this shit, but what do you guys think? I think it's CJ being CJ. I think he needs to do this type of stuff. It's just part of who he is to train well. I, I mean, maybe you could tame the beast a bit. What if he went out and ran 20 miles instead of 26? But with super shoes these days, is it really going to hurt his performance? I mean, maybe this time he gets it right and runs even better in Boston. This is the self-proclaimed best downhill runner in the world, right? Yeah. Now, look, the criticism here, I think if you're a critic of CJ, you would point to 2020 when just ahead of the marathon project, he runs 209.58 on the treadmill. Now you can argue, okay, maybe there's no wind resistance, whatever. It's a little easier. But, and then he ends up running two, uh, that race, I'm like, okay, he's good. The marathon project, it's ideal conditions, good field. He'll definitely break 210. And then he kind of disappoints there. He only runs 211.18. So that would be the critic's perspective. I, I, I'm I, kind of with Weldon, though. I think it's CJ. He's found something. Look, is he the best marathon in the United States? No, but he's among them. He was, what, seventh at the Olympic trials? He's had some pretty good results. I view it as sort of an American Yuki Kawuchi, Yuki Kawuchi, you know? If he changes to do a more traditional system, is he suddenly going to be the best in the country? I'm not sure. I, I think he's found a system where he can get pretty good results. And when you do run something like 210 in practice, it's going to create more expectations. I don't think it's a total failure if he doesn't break 210 in Boston because you got to see what the conditions on race day are going to be like, how the race plays out. But I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a system. He's gotten better results than 99% of American marathoners. So I don't really see he needs to make any drastic changes. But what do I know? CJ deserves props just like this race. The fact that we spent, we're spending 10 minutes talking about him is amazing. You guys realize how bad he was in college? Or maybe how bad the coaching in Arizona State was when he went there. I, I don't know which, which is the case, but this guy was never made NCAs. 1350, 5,845 in the steeple. What do you mean? That sounds pretty good to me, actually. Back in the day? Back in 2017. Well, he was top 20 in Pac 12s once in cross country. He was 19th. So you would not expect someone like that to be seventh in the Olympic trials in 2020. So anyways. Yeah. If you had asked me if he was seventh in the Olympic trials, I would have said no. So 
he obviously does more than just these publicity practices. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call them. I don't think he's doing it for the publicity. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, he likes doing it. And look, t- he was 10th in Boston last year in 211.44. I-, I don't think anyone can say, wow, he bombed. That's a ten- That was a good result, okay? And he led most of it, and people would say, oh, he was silly for leading it. But like 211.44 in Boston, 10th place, that's pretty solid showing. I expect he'll run well this three weeks from now because I think he does – there is a method to his madness. Does that mean he's going to be winning or finishing on the podium? No, but – He's going to be one of the top Americans in that race. I'm pretty confident of that. He's stuck in that 211 range, though. The hills really don't affect him. 211.49 at the Hilly Trials. 211.18 at the Marathon Project. 211.44 in Boston. So, we better have it. I think you could argue he's putting all these races together. It's only a matter of time before you know he gets in a, in a fast environment on a good day and actually pops one. And the counter argument to that would be like, yeah, well, you didn't do it in the marathon project, but even guys who race a lot have bad days. So I do think he's, I think he's certainly capable of running a legit 209, whether it'll be in Boston, maybe not, but you know, put him in a fast course. I wouldn't be shocked to see that. When you say legit, you, you consider a, shoe, a race in a super shoe is legit or do you? <laughs> yes. This isn't 2016, Robert, where, this, where we should be throwing people out of races, according to you. But by the They're way, I, legal now. I wore my super shoes for like the fifth time ever. Those things are super amazing. But I, I do like, I, I have been, every time I run them, I like, practically tear my soleus. But they feel great when I'm wearing them at the time. Wait, they feel great, but you're practically tearing a muscle wearing them? That doesn't well, sound great. I did tear my soleus and had to miss two months. And then I came back and ran them again for the first time. And I stopped before I tore it, but I definitely damaged it. By the way, if someone's listening to this, there's a bunch of podiatrists that have a YouTube channel or physical therapist. It's like a running physical therapy show. I saw it on the message board one time. And then one clip I happened to watch was this guy talking about how the super shoes are bad for your soleus. So if you know who does this podcast, please email me, Robert at Let's Run. Robert at Let's Run. I want to interview this guy. This guy's a genius. He's going to get me healthy so I can break my three-hour marathon. Well, I'm just glad that you're actually using the super shoes for running because the time I spent with you in Belgrade and Birmingham, you were using them in the mix zone. You're walking around. I mean, I'll just say it looked kind of ridiculous. Robert is walking around conducting interviews. In I wonder if any, I'm just curious. Did anyone else notice this? Did anyone see like, this is such a strange thing that. These super marathon shoes, Robert is using them in the mix zone of these of these. John, meetings. you're supposed to keep it quiet. What company? What? Where he is the insider, the guy who sent him the shoes. Now the guy's probably gonna get fired. No, no. You know what? Well, then you're the editor of this podcast. You go back. You insert a beep over the brand I just said, and we'll keep it on the hush hush. One more thing on C.J. Albertson. I just looked this up. Do you guys know how much he was leading the Boston Marathon at halfway last year by? I think it was almost two minutes, wasn't it? Like ninety, it was over ninety seconds, right? Yeah, correct. Two minutes and thirteen seconds. Two thirteen. Holy crap, John! You asked if anyone knew what, what shoes I was wearing in CAs, and I think the answer was yes because I don't think "outed" is the right word, but I don't know what other word to use. I my privacy was was violated 
at the meet. I was interviewing Quincy Watts, the USC coach. John took a picture of me and tweets it out to the world. People making fun of how I look. I wasn't wearing a belt that day. Which Someone, someone in the Twitter comments commented how I didn't have a belt on, which is very weird because when I got on the plane, I, I knew I didn't have my belt packed. I was very upset about that. And I don't know. I mean, nobody's making fun of Quincy Watts for wearing a pair of super – I don't think he's wearing the super shoes, but he's wearing like performance athletic shoes when he's coaching. Is he going to go out and run in the track? I mean, I, I thought that for 40-year-old dudes, we looked pretty good, me and Quincy. No, I, I like you had the Let's Run, the blue Let's Run t shirt on, which I like. Dark jeans, I thought looked good. I didn't care that you're not wearing a belt. I just found it interesting that the footwear, maybe, are you insecure about your height? Who's taller between you and Weldon? Is this what you wanted to gain a couple inches because of the foam padding? Is that what's behind there? I think the word is the word I used on you. Did I dox you, Robert? Or I, that's giving out your phone number and home address. So maybe I didn't. I think outed it might be. Well, outed has some more different undertones. So doxed, outed, I don't know what it was, exposed. But are you insecure about your height? Is this the real reason you're wearing the super shoes? No. I wore them because I wanted to only pack one pair of shoes. So I wanted to have something that I could race in. And also they're super comfortable. I really feel like they should just be walking shoes for old people. Oh, careful, Robert. Didn't you say your wife wanted some shoes to that's why she wanted the shoes to walk around? One could infer you're calling your wife old here. I think that's a dangerous path. I'm not saying that certainly, but it sounds like Robert might might have been. All right. Forget about talking about shoes, pro marathoners. The high school ranks is where it's at. I don't know how we're in almost April. A Newberry Park High School, like every week, does something that sort of shocks me. But this week, and it's some, I don't know, what's the name of it? Some random meet in California. You have Colin Solomon, the sub four miler. Okay, I'm not shocked there. 148.8. Oh, wait, his brother, Aaron Solomon, nearly beats him. He's only a junior, 148.91. So this may be like a young brother situation where the no one thinks it's possible, and the younger brother is actually better, which would be crazy. Leo Young then runs four flat point seven seven in the mile, and Lex Young. I mean, any other high school, this would be phenomenal. Four oh four point six eight. So, apart from the times being phenomenal, this begs the question: Could all four guys go sub four this year? Before I answer that, I will tell you the meeting of the meet was the 2022 Meet of Champions Distant, Distance Classic held at Azusa Pacific University. Could they all go for sub four? No. Could three of the four do it? Yes. Look, this was a, a, a good result for Aaron Solomon. Walton says no one's anticipated this. I mean, look, when, when Leo, when um, Nico Young was in high school, people started participating, are the, questioning, are the younger brothers better? I think it was – so people did contemplate it. People were like, how could this be? It's hard to really think about. The same thing is here happening with the younger Solomon brother. I was super impressed by this race. We can link to it on the message board. But there was no psychological barrier. I feel like – my dad used to say when Weldon and I would race, if, he, if I mean, when he would time us separately, we had the same times. When I would race Weldon, I would just let him beat me psychologically. And I see that with the young brothers. Um 
but I, I don't see that with the Solomon brothers. The younger brother here just moved up on the outside and almost got him at the line. So that's a huge improvement from, from 153 down to 148 for both of them. That the, the, They looked amazing. But when you look at those miles, so what, Leo ran four flat, John, and Lex ran 404? That's correct. I don't know, man. Lex reminded me of, of myself, like with a huge psychological bear. That's the worst 404 mile I've ever seen. Like it looks terrible. He doesn't look good. This was a guy that was running 757 a, a few weeks ago when his brother was out, he runs 757. Guess what? 757 is right at sub four. I mean, it's right at 359 high four flat for 3000. And all of a sudden his brother comes back as healthy. Now he, it's like getting destroyed by him and running 404. Did not look good. So I guess actually it is it is, I guess it would be possible that all four could break four, but I don't think so. And I, I don't know. Did you guys watch that four or five versus the four or four? It looked like they were, you would never think that they were twin brothers. You would think that one was a C teamer compared to an A teamer. I didn't rush the mile and I'm not going to freak out one bad race. He's been running pretty well. Otherwise 757 indoors. Yeah. Really impressive. The thing that struck me, Robert, I really enjoyed watching that 800 between Colin and Aaron Solomon. Colin led pretty much all of it. And for Aaron to hang in there, his PR before this race was 153.29, which he ran at New Balance Nationals indoors. He PR'd by almost five seconds in an 800. That's ridiculous. To run 148.91, just finished behind his brother, before that race, I would have said no way all four could break four this year. Now I think there's a slim possibility. I still don't think Aaron Solomon will be able to do it, which again, not breaking four is a junior year. That's not any sort of grand failing. It's just really hard to do. I I think both Lex and Leo can do it because like you said, Robert, Lex ran 757 indoors. Leo just ran a four flat. So if you put both of them in sort of a B heat at a pro meet, with some sort of second tier pros, I think both of them could do it. You know, assuming this sort of 404 here was kind of even 404 in high school only meet, that's not that bad a run. Like he got smoked by his brother, but I'm not freaking out about it. But I think three of the four could break four minutes. And I think this was also is a biggest story for me is there was a breakout race for Aaron, Aaron Solomon. Like 148 is a junior, terrific run. By the way, I don't want to be hating on a high schooler. I want to know which twin is the youngest. I feel like Lex is the younger twin. There's a psychological barrier because the 757 is sick. He's an incredible runner, but give me a call. I'll figure out how to do it. I'll, I'll train you separately from your brother. We won't have you do any workouts with him. You need to train alone and then destroy him. I can help you. You're going to have to break with Brosnan, though. Give me a call, Robert, and let's run. Or I guess that's not really a call. That's more of an email. Okay, this is nuts. When I posed the question like a couple minutes ago, I wasn't aware that Lex was the one who ran 757. I thought he was the weak link. I'm like, okay, both Solomon brothers can go sub four. They're 148 guys. This is just crazy. I mean, Aaron improved five seconds in what, three weeks? <laughs> sure, his indoor to outdoor maybe didn't have his best race, but I like the Moxie Osage not being afraid to take down the older brother. And it, we, we got to discuss this, though. Colin, when he finishes, sort of gives a little fist pump. 
Can you fist pump to you barely held off your little brother? You guys are the brothers. You raced each other in high school. I'll defer to you on this. I never raced against a brother. The closest I came to was racing against a teammate, though. And I know if I just held off a teammate who I always kicked their ass and always thought that I was better than, and then suddenly they, they're very close. I mean, I would do it more as a sigh of relief, but I, I definitely feel that internally, even if I didn't express it with a fist pump. But I, I, I don't think it's out of line. I think the better question is not can they all go for sub four, but is Aaron Solomon the best? John acted like that was crazy before we started recording the podcast, but I'd seen insinuations about that all along in the message board. Oh, come People on. Said, you had not. Yes, I had. Absolutely. Go back and read the message board. People said that Sean Brosnan realizes that he's the fastest of all the guys, of all the youngs and all the Solomons. The youngest one, Aaron, is the fastest, so therefore he thought he would be the best pro. Because, come on, their endurance is all pretty similar, like, given their ages. And, you know, you can't coach speed. I'm not saying it's a crazy take. What I am saying is, before the podcast today, you you were acting like this. you were going to take a victory lap and say, I've been saying this all along, and finally this is proof. And neither Weldon nor I could ever recall you saying this, that Aaron Solomon was the best pro prospect of all of them and to watch out that's not a take we're familiar with coming from robert johnson that's what i was critical of that is true john i will give him credit he did say that the young brothers could be better than than nico but i think he threw that out to be provocative because he just likes to say whatever's provocative like oh i'm not going to go to eugene worlds this year that sort of stuff and there is one back to the celebration thing if robert did a little fist pump beating me we might've had a Will Smith situation at the finish line. I'll just say that much, but I think that's acceptable. Brothers are allowed to fight. If family is fighting, you know, not like a spouse spouses, obviously, but blood, blood brothers. I, I think those are the only acceptable people allowed to fight in society. Wait, well, I want your take on this because you were the one who was always beating Robert in high school. If Robert comes up on your shoulder, you run like you're running a PR or close to it and he almost beats you, would you have done the fist pump or is that something you would have been viewed as acceptable if you did it? Like, how would you have reacted in that scenario? We shouldn't be fist pumping. I should be beating him. I should just be more relieved. The fist pump is no. Like, I could see him fist pumping if he beat me. But I would... If I fist pumped and I should beat him every time, then Robert should have socked me. Oh, wow. I'm just condoning violence. I've, I've stooped down to Will Smith because it's crazy how people just justify violence these days. But I, I don't think I've ever really been in a fist fight with anyone outside of my own brother. So it's the only person I'd know violence with. So, well, I don't, for the record, I don't have any problem with the fist pump. He won the race, he ran a good race. I, I, he, I have no problems with it. And I guess for the official podcast, we won't go there about John physically fighting his little sister. We'll, we'll keep that off the podcast. <laughs> what do you mean? Like when, when we were like five years old? I mean, I challenge anyone who has a sibling within two years of them who hasn't fought. If you didn't fight your sis sibling when you were growing up at least once, there's probably something wrong with it. Oh, I forgot also though, John. Gender doesn't matter anymore, so it's okay to sock your little sister. 
You're acting like I'm cold cocking her. I mean, it's just like regular little brawling or wrestling. Like, again, every kid ever has done that with their younger sibling. Okay, I looked it up. In February, in the week that was, I said that Leo Young, I claimed that I'd always been saying Leo Young was the most talented of the group. But then I pointed out that Aaron Solomon is only four seconds slower than the Youngs, and he's four months younger. So I left open for the possibility. It's just like they're open to the possibility that I'll think Mo, her best days may be behind her. They also may be ahead of her. It's just interesting to think about. All right, enough high school talk. Oh, wait. Well, I, I didn't even think we'd go there, but this is a popular thread in Let's Run. It combines the violence and high school talk. Did you guys see this video? The guy just punches another guy in a high school race? Didn't see it. I'm not qualified to weigh on in it because I don't know what I'm talking about. I saw it. I don't think it's really worth talking about. That Basically, a two-mile was going off or a 3K. There was some sort of sprinter or jumper standing in the middle of the track. So the distance runner kind of shoved him out of the way as he came by. And then when the distance runner came back around the track a lap later, the sprinter or jumper decided to get very upset, come from behind, and basically – punch the distance runner in the face or tackle him or something. So yeah, it took me a while to f- figure that out because the sprinters hauling ass down the, the straight away and just cold clocks this guy. So maybe it was just, you know, this week and it was a weekend of violence for some reason. All right. We could discuss something seriously now. Well, wait, there's one more high school thing. It's in our Google Doc here. I at least want to say the title of the thread, even if we don't discuss it. And it's this. Well, I read this thread. I was like, this is the ultimate troll job. Would high school Jim Ryan even be noticed on Newbury Park's team today? And the obvious answer is yes. In fact, he'd probably be running like 340-something for the mile with the super shoes and you know super tracks these days. I was like, that. Tra- th- clearly this is way too obvious of a troll for anyone to click on it. There's no way anyone would be so dumb as to fall for this. Nope. As of right now, we're at 79 posts and counting almost five pages deep into this thread. So bravo, Mr. Trollmaster, whoever started this thread. Clearly you know that I'll read a shit better than I do. Well, John, obviously Jim Ryan who was a sub four miler in high school will be a factor on the team made world's teams as a junior in high school, made the Olympics. I think as a junior in high school, is that right? Yes. Okay. But some have pointed out that Jim Ryan may not have even made the Newberry park high school at the start of Jim Ryan's sophomore year. He ran a five thirty eight mile time trial. And I'm not sure they have cutoff times at Newberry park, but he could have gotten cut. So, would Jim Ryan have come out, run his 538? John Brosnan's like, no, that sucks, man. Sorry. And history would be different today. I guess, but I don't know. I'd like to think that Sean Brosnan has a keen enough eye for talent that he'd be able to figure out if he had Jim Ryan on his hands. All right. I have a topic here. I think Robert wants to talk about it. I think it might get him riled up. It's Casta Semenya. And it's interesting because last year, the Olympic year, 
Francine Nsaba, another of the athletes, intersex athletes who's been affected by the hyperandrogenism rules, she had a terrific year, fifth in the Olympic 10,000, Diamond League champion, world best for 2,000 meters. Kesta Semenya t- tried to do the same thing and moving up in distance didn't work out. Her best 5K of the year was 15.32. She didn't qualify for the Olympics and hadn't raced at all since June of 2021. But last week, actually, I'm looking at the results now. She actually did run 15.36 on the track earlier in March. But over the weekend, she ran 8.54, a win, and Cape Town for 3,000 meters. But what I found interesting was her comments on social media. Because for a long time, you know, she'd been... I mean, this is a really tough situation for her to go through. But I didn't remember her coming out as forceful with something as what she said on March 26th. She tweeted, So according to World Athletics and its members, I'm a male when it comes to 400, 800, 1500, and 1600. Then a female in 100, 200, and long-distance events. What a research. What kind of a fool would do that? I was just wondering. This seems like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like... This is kind of the case. I mean, they, World Athletics hasn't been arguing she's a male. They've been saying she has male levels of testosterone. But what did you guys make of this? What did you guys make of the result? It was kind of puzzling to me. As for the result, 854 is not great. She may be able to make the world's team. She's no Nian Saba. Nian Saba is going to be a global medal threat in the 5K this year, I think. As for the comments, they make sense, John, but they may hurt her, they may hurt her chance for competing. I think either these intersex athletes have an unfair advantage and probably be should, should excluded from all events. Whatever the, the scientific studies that were done in this were so poorly conducted, they could only show it in three events. I mean, I, I just have so much, a lot of sympathy for these athletes because by all appearances, they think they're 100% female. They're really the edge cases. They have internal testes i think in most instances and then start producing male levels of testosterone when they hit puberty it's just a very difficult situation but i don't see why you wouldn't you would have an advantage at 1500 and not 800 or 3000 and not 800 it just doesn't make sense to me logically so i think if if they if the better nian saba does this year the more likely Athletes in the future might be banned from competing as intersex athletes in the female category. I think her comments are, are emotional and angry. They're not really factual. Like I, I have sympathy for some of these intersex athletes. I personally do not have any sympathy from an elite athletic standpoint for the transgender athletes. For their personal lives, yes, it must be traumatic to think that you're the sex, a different sex. But I, I sent out a lengthy email to someone who emailed us at Let's Run this week, it's very clear to me. They said this is a very complex issue. It's not complex at all for the transgender issue. It's quite simple. Like, what? when can someone who has XY in chromosomes and has a penis become a biological female and be allowed to compete? The answer to me is never. Like, they're not biologically a female. And when you toe the line at a race, we don't ask what your sexual orientation is. Do you want to sleep with a man or woman? We don't ask if you're white or black. No, that's not what determines the, the, the classification. Is it, Are you a biological female or not? And, you know, Caster's gender is female. It's always been female. 
that's fine. But that's not what the sporting category is. And we need to make it clear. The sporting category should be for biological females. I would say that she's clearly not that. It's a little bit more difficult, complex than the, than the transgender issue. To me, she's a classic, what most people would describe as intersex. I believe she's XY chromosomes. So, and she has male levels of testosterone. What she does not have is the male sex organ. I know that's graphic, but I think if you actually think about it, when I was writing this person who was complaining about the Leah Thomas coverage that we have on the homepage, I said, to me, when does a person who has XY and chromosomes and has a penis become a woman, biological woman? The answer is never. With COVID, we are told to follow the science. Here, we should be following the science. And I think if she's honest with herself, no one's saying she's male. No one's saying she's female. We're just, look, that in terms of gender, they're just saying we only have the studies to keep you out in these one instances. And why can't we keep male and female for sex? Gender can be designated by man or woman. I don't know. I mean, the words are just changing rapidly what they used to mean. But if we want to do gender, I think male and female for most people, I think it's more scientific. So essentially that should be biologically male, biologically female. Some people thought the same for men and women, but I think that's more related to gender now. But at some point, words are not going to have any meaning. Correct. And one level, one more thing about this transgender stuff. We're trying to figure, oh, well, we have to let them compete. I'm talking about for elite level sports, by the way. Uh, you know, to me, which is high school, college and above, it shouldn't be allowed. And the question we're having now is, well, how much hormones can we give a biological male to make it so that it's fair that they can compete in the women's category? And the, like, to me, that's absurd. You're not allowed to take drugs to compete in sports. Like, that's against the rules. So we shouldn't be doing that, period. And I think it's really insulting to women to act like their bodies and they are just a 10 to 12% weaker version of a man. My friend who has four children, she's like, that's insulting to me. My body is not just a weaker version of a man. It's a uniquely designed thing that was designed to have ovaries and give birth. A male's body was designed to have sperm and not give birth. And it's a few cases, there's people in between. Well, I should have known that bringing up anything to do with intersex or hyperandrogenism, Robert would co-op this to a transgender discussion. But one other thing I did want to say, we are talking last week about the metal threats in the 5,000, you know, and who had the best chance, which world indoor champion had the best chance of winning gold in that event outdoors. And I said to Farah, and you guys argued it was Gudolf Sagai. And I forgot when we were saying Gudolf Sagai, I, I totally forgot about Francine Nansaba because she was DQ'd in the 5K heats last year. But she went on that tear. She's another person to factor in. And we know she's, you know, she's still. She's going for a two mile world record at the pre classic. She thinks she's in pretty good shape, clearly. But then another woman that we didn't have on our radar is Helen O'Beary because O'Beary said after the 2021 season, she's moving up to the roads. That's going to be her focus from now on. But out in Istanbul over the weekend, she wins the Istanbul half in 64 48. And then after the race, she says, I want to run the 5,000 meters at the world championships since I am the defending champion. 
my first marathon will then more likely follow in 2023. So I view this as big news. She's the two-time defending world champion. As such, she has a buy into Worlds, so she doesn't have to run any qualifying races or anything. She got silver at the last two Olympics. Throw her in. That event's suddenly even more competitive. So I found it very interesting, not only that Obiri won this race, 64-48. It wasn't a personal best, but it was a top 10 time all time. She was wearing the new on, on I think it's a prototype, uh, but she was wearing on shoes in this race. They're trying to get a super shoe for the roads. So this is one of their first chances to unveil that. But running world championships of the track, that's big news that Obiri's coming back. John, it is pretty big news. And and if you're like a 5K, 10K runner, I think you think about running the 10. The five's going to be tough this year, assuming Hassan runs it. But you have Nian Saba in there, Obiri. It's not easy. It's weird. As for Nian Saba, I think in general, the intersex athletes probably shouldn't be allowed to compete. But I, I root for her. I don't know if that's illogical. but Because I think these rules, I think the the rules are stupid. And I think to show the rules are stupid, I'm like, yeah, she just needs to show them up. Plus, also, like, these women's livelihoods were taken for them. Like, I mean, one thing with the Leah Thomas thing this year, I don't, the NCAA just really didn't have any transgender rules. And then USA Swimming put in these rules middle of the season. And I'm sort of against changing the r- rules of the game while the game's underway. So I can, I actually don't have really any sympathy for Leah Thomas, but I'm like, well, it's kind of unfair to change the rule mid-season, even though uh, I think the NCAA rules beforehand were a joke. But I- I'm just impressed that Nian Saba has done what she's been able to done do. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Weldon. It's hard not to feel some sort of inspiration from her. She's doing everything. She's following the rules in all these instances. She's been put in a series of tough situations. And, you know, Many, a lot of women in her situation, they might have quit or they might not have been able to handle the move up. And maybe that's because Semenya is more of a 4 8 runner, whereas Nian Saba is more distance oriented. But that is not easy to just say, I'm going to move up not one event from my best event, but two events up to the 5,000 or even three events to the 10,000 and continue to thrive. That takes guts to take that gamble. It takes a lot of hard work to transition to a different event. Really tough. But at the same time, I also think the her dominance in those events clearly shows that the rules don't cover enough events and she probably shouldn't be competing in them. So it's an unfortunate situation, but I think if you don't at least have some sympathy for her and respect for what she's done, I don't think you're human. Oh, wow. John just called a bunch of people not human. I am curious and no one's ever explained this to me. Why do the intersex athletes and maybe the science will show it's just this weird convergence in middle distance events but they've been so disproportionate in the 800 meters. I, I've never understood that. Why? So I'm like, these athletes, maybe somehow their body types are such, it's just, it's, it is different than how you, we should view it with like transgender. And maybe there really is this carve out for certain events, but it, logically it's like, no one's explained it to me. It does, just doesn't make sense. My theory, and this is just a working theory. I don't know if it's, there's anything to it is that because it's a sprint and a distance event, you're sort of working two different systems there. So you get a double benefit from having, you know, 
advantage in distance running and advantage in sprinting. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just sort of the way I always approach it. But I, I agree because it is. It does certainly seem that we've seen way more of athletes in that event or in the 400 with Christine and Boma or Saini from Niger. You know, it's clearly seems to affect that event way more than any other event. Well, O'Berry is definitely a metal threat because you guys see what you went out in this half marathon, 1445. You're running a 13.1 mile race and you got 1445. Like how many Americans can even run 1445? Yeah, I think there's only about f- five Americans in history who've run that fast on a track for 5,000 meters. So, yeah, pretty nuts. And it, that also made me think, Robert, people just aren't afraid of these half marathon world records anymore. They'll just go out on world record pace and they'll trust that even if they slow down a bit, the super shoes will sort of, they'll be able to hold on. They're not going to be, their legs won't be totally killed at the end of the race. We saw it in the men's race too in Istanbul. Rogers Quemoy went out in 13.40 for the first 5K. He slowed down a bit. Now, also, I believe they the first half of this race, they sort of had the wind at their backs because the second half they were running into the wind. Both winners ended up fading. O'Beary faded to 64.48. Rogers Quemoy ended up fading to 59.15. But I think people, it's just, what is fast in the half marathon has been totally readjusted. All right, a couple other things I wanted to discuss before we end the podcast, one was we teased it in the Friday 15. If you listened last week, the Raleigh relays, Caitlin Tui ran her season opener in the outdoor track season. We were predicting what time would she run? Would she break 410? We both said no, but she ran 412. She won the top section of the 1500. That's a pretty good run for her. Won it by almost a full second. Then the other woman we were watching in that race was Molly Stolliper because she was a high school star, runner-up at Foot Lockers in 2019. And this is her first collegiate race. It's almost at the end of her second year at NC State, and she hadn't raced yet at this point. So we were interested in seeing what she ran. She finished last in the top section in 423. I wouldn't say that's a disaster or anything. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a starting point. But did you guys have any thoughts on either Tui or Starlip or Raleigh relays. Well, I thought it was good for Tui because the third place in that race was Mikhail Meyer, the 2021 NCAA 800-meter champion who also was, you know, she's not a great 1,500-meter runner, but, I mean, she did want – well, I guess she, she ran 404 in the 1,500 last year. She won ACCs. So Tui to beat her is, is, you know, pretty impressive. It's just – I really think Tui's doing well. I, I think it's great. I also I thought it was cool that Starliper has been hurt for two years. Coach Hennis has kept her in the game mentally. She makes a debut. I mean, I don't think it's great that you get last, but the coach must have a lot of faith in you because she's putting you in the top eight. So, you know, that's interesting. But if we're talking about teen phenoms, is Tui still a teen, John? I think she turns 20 this year. I don't know when her birthday is. I'll look it up right now in our database. She just turned 20 on March 18th, so no longer a teen phenom, Robert. There were some female teen phenoms at that distance classic meet at Azusa Pacific. 
Delia Frias has won the women's mile over Sadie Engelhart, 435.06 to 436.63. So that's a California state record for Frias, 435 flat, which is basically probably a 414, 415, 1500. But Engelhart is a high school freshman. So that's a national high school freshman record. So she's running the equivalent of 416. What did Jordan say when she was that age? I, I know many things, but that one I'm not totally sure of. I do know Jordan to say one footlocker as a freshman in high school, though. I'm looking it up. So freshman year of high school, what are you, 15 years of age? Yep. So she's born in September of 2001. Well, in 2017, June, excuse me, 2007, June. So Jordan would have been 15. She was the same year as me in high school. That would have been after her sophomore year of high school or at the very end of her sophomore year 2007 yeah so she ran 416 98 so this girl is definitely ahead of jordan but she's got the super shoes all right last thing i want to discuss we teased it in the opening hot takes now whoever started this thread weldon can we give him a pair of shoes or something is this thread of the week i found it quite enjoyable just all caps, 2022 hot takes here. And it was started by someone called Sizzler, anonymous poster. High school records in danger, collegiate records, American records, post your hot takes. So I, I think it would be fun if we run through some of the hot takes that the Let's Run readers have posted and evaluate. Is this totally insane? I mean, these are going to be very bold predictions. He didn't ask for just like cautious predictions. He asked for hot takes in all caps. So I just wanted to see some opinions. John, how can I give an anonymous poster free shoes? Sizzler, if you can prove who you are, email me. You get a free pair of on shoes. We've been giving away the on shoes. Any hot takes? Next audio use on the podcast for sure. We'll give a free pair of on shoes. That's the incentive behind registering your username and or joining the letsrun.com supporters club at letsrun.com slash subscribe. Because if you do that and you start a great thread like this one, you can win free shoes. It's pretty good. But I'll, let me start. First reply here is Kiplimo breaks 10,000 records. So Jacob Kiplimo, world record, I'm assuming there. Jakob and Timmy run 326. So Ingebrigtsen and Chariot. At least two Newbury Park kids break Vosbikas two-mile record. What do you guys make of those takes? Well, didn't you miss the first takes, John? Where he... the or did you already say what the original poster predicted? Well, the original poster said high school records in danger, 800, 146, mile two, 353, two mile 830. I didn't really know if those were actually predictions or they're just, those actually, two mile record is 829 in high school. I didn't know if he was trying to post the current records or if he was saying they're in full. I think he wanted, he or she mainly wanted people to predict whether they would fall or not. But I think all three of those high school records on the boys' side will go this year. Kaplimo breaking the 10,000 record, I don't think that'll happen just because I don't think he's going to try. Jacob and Timmy run 326. Now, the record is 326. Well, you think someone's going to run under 353? Yes. Who? Salmon. Okay. And you think who's going to break the 800 record? You think Will Sumner is going to run 146? 
I guess the odds of all three happening are probably less than 50%, but I mean, 357, in, uh, 357 indoors, though, oh, he's pretty highly trained. Is he really going to run? He ran 358 indoors. Oh. I think we are in an era where none of those John predictions you talked about were that crazy, but I don't think the 353 is going to go down this year. I think the Yawker prediction is wrong because I think he's going to run 325, baby. I called this in our bold predictions podcast at the start of the year, and I could definitely see Chariot running 326 if that's in the same race. Kip Limo, yeah, Robert, I don't see the opportunity happening for Kip Limo to break 2611. You really need like a tailored attempt for that. Two kid, two Newbury Park kids under the two mile record. Not sure it's going to happen just because I don't know if that's going. They're going to run two miles. Like I could see it happening if they decide to run like a full two mile at Arcadia, but Arcadia they run a thirty two hundred. So, but if if they run the equivalent time in the thirty two hundred, that converts better. I think that should count. Yeah, if, if that's the prediction, I do think that that could happen. Um, Look, before people think I'm hating on Athang Mo, it's possible, John. You will admit we've seen we've already seen peak Ingebrigtsen. Guy just got beat at World Indoors. 325 is well, far from a guarantee. You can make those arguments about anyone that as soon as they do, like they win the Olympics, we may have seen the best of them. Well, yeah, winning the Olympics, by definition, you had a pretty awesome year, but I don't think that's the case for Hingebrigts and Olmo. All right. I, lo- I love the next prediction because I love it when people talk about the importance our message board has in the world of running. If you haven't been to the forum in a while, check it out. Let's run.com slash forum. Well, we're moderating things much better. I don't, Next predictor. And wait, wait. In terms of the forum, like it's a banner day. And we started off with CJ Albertson. I was just now looking back at that high school thread about the punching. The sister of the guy punched chimed in and explained what happened. The forums covering the running world like nobody else. K dot big bold prediction is Josh Kerr doesn't meddle at worlds. And the message boards make fun of him mercilessly for talking so much shit this year. It's a good post. Like, is the expectation now the Kerr medals going forward? It shouldn't be. I mean, how many medals did did Nick Willis win? Just because you win one doesn't mean you're going to win them regularly. As I've said before, it's a bell curve. First and second are generally, particularly first, are much better than everybody else. So them not meddling is a surprise. But the guy that has the race of his life to get third normally doesn't come back and get third the next year. Well, race of his life, I think you could argue Josh Kerr has been progressing. He was, I think he was sixth or seventh at Worlds in 2019, and then he improves. He's already run 348 this year. I don't think it would be a shock if he medals. I, it's an interesting post. I like the post, but sorry, this take isn't hot enough. Josh medal, Josh Kerr doesn't medal at Worlds. That is not a hot enough take to belong in a all take, all caps hot take thread. It's not a hot take. And, well, John, I think it shows how far he's come as a runner, right? Like, if he doesn't medal, it's, like, shocking. So I think it shows, one, how far he's come as a runner. Two, I don't know how sort of prominent Josh now is on, on the forums. And, John, do you, but also you got to dismiss what Robert's saying. It, it, the constant theme today is that, like, everyone's race last year was the best race of their life, and they will never achieve it. <laughs> You know, not, yeah, wait, have we considered that Josh Kerr may have run his right. best race ever and that he's never going to be as good as he was again? I, uh, for the record, by the way, right now, if you had to 
give me three people a medal at Worlds, I think I'd just pick the same three as last year. Josh Kerr has done nothing since last year's Olympics to tell me he's not going to be in that kind of shape again in Eugene. He seems he's been running pretty well so far this year. 348 mile. I I would I'm not like this I reserve the right to change my mind based on results, but for now I think I would pick him on the podium again. But it doesn't mean it's a hot take to say he's not on the Wait, podium. Wait, John, last week weren't you saying that Samuel Tefero was going to beat Ingerbertson? I said he had the best chance. Okay. Two different things. Uh, the second hot take, same post to K-Dot. Bekele never runs a good race again. Again, I'm not really sure this is a hot take, but, you know, Bekele is pushing 40 years old. What do you guys think? Is he right? It's definitely a hotter take than the car one. I'll give you that. I think he'll find a way to race again. The money's still pretty good for him, so he'll find a way to race again. No, but never run. Not that he'll never run again. Not that he never runs a good race. Again. Oh, never runs a good race again. I missed the good part. I mean, Bekele's good is very different than the average runner's good. If he drops like a 206 marathon, is that good? What did he do last year? Yeah, like third in Berlin in 206. Do we call that a good race? That's what he did last fall. And then he was sixth in New York in 212. I but say, what happened in New York? I can't even remember. I mean, I'll take him showing up again in... Wait, is he running Boston in three weeks? He's supposed to be. John looks confused. Right? I totally forgot he was in the Boston Marathon field. Is that tr- That's crazy. I-, I know it was Jeffrey Camor was running it, but I, I forgot that Bekele is running Boston three weeks from now. I haven't really thought about the field that much since January. <laughs> that's It's pretty exciting. We gotta start a countdown timer. We should start wrapping this up. Yes, he's gonna have a good race again because it's gonna be in Boston. Uh, John, is it too late to get the press pass? Or uh, hopefully, I, I mean, I'm definitely coming now. I can't believe I was like debating it, but like for sure. No, you can apply. Okay, I'm just concerned that we haven't heard anything about him that he didn't do Tokyo. When John and I were in New York, Herman's acting like he wanted to keep him busy racing all the time just so that he can't slack off. So. DNS wouldn't. I hope that he runs well. If he runs in the lead pack just for the first 30K, that counts as a good race to me. K-Dot's just crushing this thread. The hours and hours, I love this one, the hours and hours of podcast discussions about how to make the sport more popular don't result in the sport becoming more popular. Yeah, I enjoy that. Some people think Rob's going to break the American record in Chicago. Someone else thinks that Rob's going to retire before Worlds. I definitely don't think he's going to retire. I know people bitch about the media. It's just us. What's the Teddy Roosevelt quote about the critic? We're just the critics. We just bloviate. Nothing gets done. Or apologize to the running community. You'd rather be the man in the arena? Well, then. Wait, Rupp retires before a Worlds? I mean, that's a scorching hot take. I just think that's ridiculous. He's not going to run the World Championships in Eugene? Come on. Like, even if he's on one leg, he's going to run that race. Ooh, it's not that crazy of a take, though, John. What if he's seriously injured? He's like, this is it. I'm done. I think he'd, I think he'd at least try to start the race. Like, he tried to start Chicago in 2019 when he clearly was not healthy. I think the World Championships in Eugene, that's never going to happen again. He's going to start that race one way or another. Okay, here's the hot take. Or I don't know if it's a hot take, but 
Will Alberto be in Eugene for the World Championships? I think he'll be there. I mean, there is nothing that can stop Alberto from showing up on the streets of Eugene to watch Galen Rupp run the marathon. But, but John, we would apple. What's the word apple? What the apple? Apoplectic. When Mark Block was in the Nike box. F it, man. I'm about loyalty. I think Alberto should be in the Nike box for the world. Is that problematic? Oh my god. Yes, I'm not saying he should be in the Nike box. I'm saying. Will he drive down to Eugene, which is a two-hour drive from his house in Portland, to watch Galen Rupp run the World Championship Marathon in Eugene, Oregon? Yes, I think Alberto Salazar will do that, and he's not banned from doing so. He will not do that. He will not do that. Just be a distraction. He's not going to do that. Actually, take back my quote. I forgot about... I mean, the sexual assault stuff is so crazy, right? Like, it it just puts a whole other level on this. They're like, oh, you're supporting a sexual assaulter? I don't know. I just feel like the oh, whole yeah. Wait, I did forget about that. The whole Alberto thing is just man. Fall from grace has been, but it's so weird because Nike spent jillions of dollars defending him for the Wada stuff, and now he's. I, don't, I just I don't know. I think he needs to try to tell us tell his his tell his side of the story, right? What do you mean? They had Nike's big bet. His side of the story, I mean, I guess Alberto didn't respond to that, but that will—that was a fair portrayal. That gave plenty of slack towards Alberto's side without being a hagiography, as we like to say now. But that also didn't include the sexual assault stuff. I forgot about that too, Rob Weldon. I think, actually, you factor that in. I do tend to agree with Robert. It would just be a distraction if people saw him on the course or anything like that. He'll probably just watch it from home. Zero percent, I think, now. But... No, but John, Alberto wasn't there saying, here's what I th- think happened. I mean, everyone's entitled to present their, I don't know, their own defense, right? I guess you could say he defended himself and lost, but whatever. I want Another hot take here. John Wesley Harding, devoted denizen of the message boards. And he, he nails this. He says, the thing about hot take predictions, if they're hot, they look foolish. And if they seem sensible, then so what? They're not hot. I could predict Latesa well, and Bet Gide runs 1359, but I think that's actually a fairly popular opinion on these boards. Any truly hot take will be downvoted and in honesty, just be a shot in the dark. Then he says, the Eugene World Championships 1500 meter champion will not be one of the Tokyo medalists. I think that's a pretty, that's a good hot take. That's hot. That's, it's not insane because I could see Samuel Tafera winning that race, but it's pretty, I thought that was pretty interesting. What do you guys make of that? Well, if you then factor in Samuel Tafera, maybe it's really not that hot. So then it's not hot, but if you take in some random dude, who's not one of those guys, then it's super hot. Well, he followed it up by saying, if I have to give one name and it's pretty weak if I don't, but mostly I just believe it's people's nature to sleep on the fluidity and unpredictability of middle distance racing. Abel Kipsang. So remember him. He was fourth in the Olympics last year. He's run three twenty. That's actually I was thinking. Of. I'd be more inclined to say Tafera, but I think that's a hot take. People are saying Tafera. He's never done anything outdoors. You guys think it's silly that I think he could beat Ingebrigtsen outdoors? I I think that's a good hot take, John Wesley Harding. Oh wow, this is Pikachu. All right, this is the last one we'll discuss because it's also the last post in the thread as the, as of when we're recording. They've got a whole bunch of them. Fred Curley under 43.5, 19.6, and 9.8 this year. Trevor Bassett breaks 48 in the 400 hurdles. Noah Lyles breaks 19.4. Ryan 
Will Sumner runs 145.9 in the 800. Bowling goes sub 10 and sub 20. Jalen Slade and, Aaron, and Arian Knighton under 10 flat win legal in the 100. At least six Americans under 44 seconds in the 400. What do you guys, are there any that stand out to you? I, I think the Slade and Knighton under 10 flat win legal one is very interesting because no high schooler has ever broken 10 flat win legal in the 100 meters. And he's saying two guys could do it. I also think that's very possible though. I think both those men are capable of doing it this year. Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, the shoes are probably, we think, do we think the shoes are a little bit faster too for the sprinters? You don't hear much about that. And this Trevor Bassett guy who I'd never heard of until about four weeks ago, I feel stupid. He's the NCAA double, NCAA Division II champ at the 60 hurdles and the 400. And then he got silver at the World Indoors. And it never crossed my mind that, that he, he's a 400 meter hurdler. <laughs> I didn't get to say anything about the 1500. Can we just admit for the record, March 30th, 2022, since we're debating what I said in the past about the Salman brothers, Kamar Etienne. Remember him, John? I was hyping him up in Poland, in Serbia, excuse me, reminding everybody that he beat Timothy Chariot last year at age 18. Now he's 19. I don't know where he's been. No races this year. Robert, are you going to just state his name or are you going to make some sort of prediction attached to this? I'm saying if somebody beats the time, it might be him. And I'll just say, I told you so. I don't think I don't think Charles Samochwa, even though he won the Canyon Trials last year, is going to be the one that does it. All right. Robert's trying to back into a hot take prediction here that Etienne is going to win the world championships, but it doesn't sound like you actually want to go out and say it officially on the record. So I'm not sure if I'll give you credit for it. You need to be more full-throated in your prediction here, Robert, for me to give you full credit in July. All right, guys. I think that's a podcast. We did it. I think about another 90 minutes when some might say there's not a lot going on in the running world right now. But there's always something going on in the running world. There's always something going on in the message boards. And hey, the runners in the news proved it. All talking about the message boards or speaking on the message boards themselves. And hopefully next time we talk, John, the United States will be in the World Cup. Could lose 6 to nothing tonight, but game I went to on Sunday. Most dominant victory in the U.S. in ages. Hopefully USA soccer will, or US soccer as it's called, will invite me to the World Cup as a good luck charm. Yeah, almost you guys almost beat Panama by as much as England did in the World Cup in 2018. We beat them 6-1. You guys can only manage 5-1, but we are one of the best teams in the world, so maybe it's unfair for us to compare the two sides. But yes, if and if USA doesn't qualify tonight against Costa Rica, we do have to have an emergency podcast. You know, if they lost by six goals and don't make it. Oh my God. I can't imagine what will happen. Well, actually, soccer is not that popular in this country. Maybe nothing will happen, but God, that's crazy. But yeah, best of luck down in Costa Rica. If you want a free Let's Run shirt, join the Supporters Club for a year. Get a second podcast every week, 20% off on running shoes, and yes, a free Let's Run.com shirt. Go to let's run.com slash subscribe.